0: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Game Talk Radio. I'm your host, Greg. With me again this week is John. How you doing, John? Ah, good. Good. I'm good. And so, we're not going to go into the whole conversation again, but we literally just recorded like a really cool 15-minute intro conversation about collecting, and my garbage uh, capture software didn't get John's audio. So you could have listened to me the whole time, hearing my side of the conversation, not hearing anything from John, which... And
1: silence, yeah. <laughs>
0: you know, so it's so stupid. So, uh, anywho, uh, we won't talk much about it, but basically, John was criticized me a little bit because I've been selling a lot of my collector's editions and stuff at the store. And I was explaining to him how he's the anomaly, he's actually the weird one because he's never sold anything out of his collection with a very few exceptions, he's kept like everything. So, John was just about to tell me what those exceptions were when i realized we weren't recording. So yeah. So so i was saying how there's different phases like like you go through a hoarding phase then you go through a purge like it's a binge phase and then a purge phase. A lot of collectors go through that they they refocus their collection, they sell off a bunch of it and then they recollect something else. John though is the anomaly in that he's just he binged and just binges and binges and binges. So John, <laughs> what are some of the exceptions to that rule though? Like what are some of the What's some of the, the the things that you have sold over the years?
2: Years and years ago, I sold a copy of Shenmue on Dreamcast to get a copy of Shenmue on Dreamcast. Um,
1: okay. <laughs> which
2: confused the shit out of the employee. Um, so I had the regular edition of the game, and uh, there used to be a, I think it was called Video Game Exchange. Do you know where Topper's Pizza is on uh, military, like down where... Oh yeah, the old, I, I, I uh, remember. Video, book store used to be
0: yeah. There was a video game exchange and toy exchange were like both in yeah. the same strip center. Yeah,
2: yeah. And video game exchange for some reason always had this weird funk to it. Like you walked in the store and you'd be like, "What the hell is that smell?" And I asked <laughs> the employees one time, and they're like, "Oh, that's the subway next door." And it's like. No, dude, it smelled like crap in here since before Subway existed. It's <laughs> always just smelled like <laughs> poop in here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, like somebody took a crap behind one of these fixtures and nobody's moved it for years. Uh, but yeah, so <laughs> so I sold them my copy of Shenmue to get a collector's or limited edition of Shenmue that had, an, I think it had two extra discs. There was like an extra um, disc with extra content and then there was also a passport disc that brought to you to some websites and stuff and so i sold that to get that game so the, and then
0: just really quickly oh, the yeah. regular edition of the game has the passport disc but i don't know of oh. a special edition that had an extra disc i'm confused I'm, I'm i'm not recollecting that in my head
2: uh there definitely is a extra disc um
0: because I know it's it's a three-disc game, and then the Passport disc is the fourth disc that comes in the
2: retail version. Well, now you're going to make me go get it. Yeah.
0: So, <laughs> John just go. got up out of his chair, and he's taken off to go find his Shenmue copy.
2: All right. Can you still hear me while I go downstairs? Yeah,
0: I can still hear you, actually, for now. Okay. Anyway.
2: So while I look for this thing, I'll tell you about the other game I sold. All right. So the other major thing I sold was um, I had a copy of Mountain Bike's, Bike Rally Speed Racer. Um sealed for super nintendo which is a game that was not uh commercially released in the united states and i sold that for about two thousand three hundred dollars
0: which at the time was you couldn't believe you got that much money for a game kind of money
2: um because that was
0: mid-2000s yeah
2: yeah here it is all right shenmue limited edition okay it includes the soundtrack is what it is
0: okay can I see it? Can you oh. bring it up to the camera and show it to me? I command. Like I, I demand. It's out of
1: my basement.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! All right. So and and if we haven't told the story before, oh, that is cool. Okay, that is neat. Okay. Nice. Uh, so if I've never told the story before, all my so when I when I was collecting before I worked at GameStop, even I was collecting NES games and I was going for a complete collection. I was up to like 400 or 450. Oh, that's really cool. John. Um, it was like 450. And then I, John had a whole bunch of money. He didn't know what to do with. I had a whole bunch of credit card debt. I didn't know what to do with (laughs) John and I came to an amazing deal. And basically I believe he bought my games for my exact credit card debt. And I was like, happy to be debt free. So (laughs) I sold John all my NES games. Um, and, and, he has them to this day, like all yes. those, all those games that were mine, like that I had collected over the years. Uh, and I, I spent probably whole, oh, probably five or six years getting all those NES games. And, um, and so like, th- like they exist, like that collection of mine, which is now John's is, is like, it's still around. It's pretty cool that they all, you know, it's, that it's all stuck together. I thought pretty neat. Yeah. It's
2: his entire collection is still intact in one place. Uh, and he tried to buy it back from me uh, before he opened Game Trade, and I was like, "Nope,
0: <laughs> nope." He wasn't desperate enough yet.
2: <laughs> now <laughs> he didn't have just he randomly. <laughs> so you you offered. Well, I bought it for fifteen hundred bucks, like fifteen years ago. What would have you've offered me to get it back? Do you think?
0: Well, if it was before I'm... the store opened, NES hadn't really exploded yet. Yeah, but I probably like. I probably would have offered like what you paid for it. Probably okay. like something like that. Like I would have tried to get square um, because back then, like I wasn't even as good at pricing things as I am now. So I would have probably spent like, I don't know, it's 500 games, you know, a couple bucks per game. I'd be at like a thousand to, to 1200. And if you were like, well, I paid you 15. I'd be like, okay, well I would give you 15. That, that's like <laughs> seemingly in my head. That's how the negotiation would have went. But that's also, that's nine, that's 10 years ago, Greg. So, I mean, I don't. <laughs> I don't know if I would have done that 10 years ago or not. I probably would have been like, come on, man. You know, GameStop only gives you like a dollar apiece or something. I don't know.
2: I would have tried to bamboozle you for sure. GameStop would be like $9, yeah. that garbage. Um <laughs> whole connection.
0: Um, we're, we're we're some of the few. I mean, I remember it. I'm sure you do too. Like, We remember when GameStop. I remember when they were consolidating all their Super Nintendo and Nintendo games where they'd stopped carrying them. So, like, I was there when they still carried them. And then I remember when they transferred them all to specific stores to carry them. Like, we sent
2: all of ours down to Milwaukee, and, and they were, like, blowing them out down there. I, I worked at GameStop for, like, five months back in 2002. And I don't remember... SNES games at that time Uh, I remember Dreamcast games like I was buying Dreamcast games when I worked down there Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Um, because I remember getting a copy of Deep Fighter which was a two disc game (laughs) and the rocket scientist that uh, that stickered the game rather than putting it on the sleeve like you're supposed to he put the GameStop label on one of the discs and when I peeled the label off it peeled the fricking the art off the disc (laughs)
0: So I've seen more, (laughs) I've seen a lot of that over the years. I've seen a lot of the GameStop stickers directly on the disc, and I just want to beat someone's ass over it. (laughs) I just want to find out who it was and beat their ass. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, okay, so today, here's what we got going on. Uh, John had a great idea, and he pitched it to me, and I loved it. So with the launch of the PS5 and the Xbox series coming out, uh, John and I want to talk about our console launch stories. So I thought that'd be pretty fun. Uh, I, I think, so we're going to, we're going to talk a little bit about the, uh, like what we worked and what, what our first console launch what? was and, you know, and kind of some of the stuff we've done. Like when we were at GameStop.
2: Oh. Hey, one second. Yes. Nicole, oh. what's up? <laughs> no, sorry. Yes. He wants tea. Right. My wife wanted to know where the remote for my TV or for our TV <laughs> was. I have no idea. <laughs>
0: Um, well, that's okay. Hi, Nicole. Um, and so, uh, we want to talk about like our console launch. Like we want to talk about some of our memories of different launches when we worked there, but also when we bought them, some of like our favorite launch games that we got when we bought it and just talk a little bit about different console launches over the years. And then we're going to briefly touch upon the PS5 teardown. So today Sony released their video where the, like one of their architects, actually like um he's a hardware engineer he breaks down the ps5 like he takes it apart from complete to every piece disassembled and it's pretty cool so they revealed kind of the final details of the ps5
2: in that video we found out that the playstation 5 is roughly the size of one half of a petite asian man it's
0: it's it's the size of a (laughs) middle-aged japanese man's torso (laughs)
2: Yeah. That's what the like, size of this PS5. It's ridiculous. The guy looks like he weighs about hundred and fifty pounds. <laughs> oh. And my he's goodness. sitting like upright with the PlayStation 5 on the table in front of him, and the PlayStation 5 like dwarfs him.
0: <laughs> he could hide he could hide behind it and just have his head and arms sticking out. Like his head above it and his arms at the side, and like it would block the rest of him. It's crazy how big this stupid yeah. honking thing is. So we're gonna talk about that. And then uh th- we're gonna start by talking about my rant of the week, which I was gonna do as our story until John came up with the idea of the launch stories because I like the idea of a console launch stories. I I've had a lot of good feedback on this, John, where people really like when we tell stories about like game collecting and get a little bit more into that as opposed yeah. to always having so many like negative stories. And and you know, Game Talk Radio started off as me picking news stories and just talking about that, but then I I did realize that. I don't even necessarily like talking about that all the time. Like I like one news story. I like picking something to talk about some industry wide. We we have a good discussion, but then I want to talk more about the collecting and fun side of it and all of our experience over all those years. And so uh, before we get to that though, I do have a rant because the story was originally going to be, uh, about an, a new Jason Schreier hit piece uh, about crunch in the video game industry. And, and I know I've talked about this ad nauseum. So it's going to be a rant and not a whole half hour discussion between me and John.
1: Um, yeah.
0: So we've got that. We've got our pickup piles of the week. We've got our games of the week set up. And so it's other than that, it's just business as usual. Uh, sorry we didn't have an episode last week. We actually were on track to do it. And it was Wednesday. And, um, you know, like like I was working Wednesday, normal day. And then all of a sudden this uh, gentleman brought in like eight or 10 totes of game stuff. Holy and it's shit. like, well, I, I got to do it. And he dropped it off, but was coming in the next day. So I had oh, okay. to stay late Wednesday night and I had to come in early Thursday morning. So it kind of threw off the whole schedule, which really sucks because I, I do like to do this every week. um, But you know, it just work gets in the way, you know, Un- until, until you all start, you know, paying me to, <laughs> do this podcast which is never going to happen and i'll never expect it uh yeah until just, that day if happens you do wanna,
2: if you do want to pay greg uh just go on to his only fans it's game trade greg at onlyfans.com you know,
0: i wonder i could probably pull off an only fans
2: just saying <laughs> um
0: and then see so you build them up you don't you do show look good any, in a bra you build them up you don't show anything john and then uh, then you have the nip slip and then once you have a nip slip, <laughs> oh man, then that's when like, then then you get the movie deals, the book deals, it all happens. So I got a plan, John. I clearly, a really well thought out plan. Uh, um, so and an s- agent. <laughs> I, well, that's where you come in. You're clearly my OnlyFans agent. My You're my PR guy. Um, so with that all being said, let's just kick it off right away. So my rant of the week, Jason Schreier came out with another article basically talking about the... Uh, you know, let me just bring it up. I can't go to the actual website because um it's well, a paywall. It's a paywall that? on Bloomberg, you know, cuz, you know,
2: whatever. <laughs> <laughs> shouldn't shouldn't they know that gamers don't want to pay for video games, let alone news for video games? Yeah, you think.
0: <laughs> um so this was the tweet. This was actually September 29th. This is over a week ago already and we we're going to talk about it last week a little bit, but here was the tweet. September 29, Jason Schreier. Last year, the bosses of CD Projekt Red approached me for an interview. They wanted to announce that for Cyberpunk 2077, they would be avoiding mandatory crunch. This week, they sent out an email to staff announcing studio-wide mandatory crunch. And then there, he does a whole article about it. So I, I've talked about this like a million times over. I'm not going to go into it again. I'm not going to go into how every single job and every single industry in the world has a time that they're busier than a time when they're not. And I, I'm the first to say, because everyone always thinks I'm like some corporate bootlicker. I say this all the time, not a corporate bootlicker. Okay. Uh, I don't kiss CD project red's ass. Um, it look, they're making a game. I really want to play. Um, but if the company sucks, then the company sucks. I mean, I'm not going to deny that. I'm not going to lie about that. Um, but but I have some problems, as always. But I have a different angle, I think, about this one. Because basically what what they said was, in the last month before the release of Cyberpunk, it's mandatory six-day work weeks. And so that sucks, right? But it got me thinking. Here Here's where it... it this is what turned it into a rant for me. There is no clearly defined explanation for what is crunch, right? So crunch is like by definition, it's the period of time before a project is finished when employees have to work, where you have to put in extra effort and extra time to get the project completed. Like that's the definition of crunch. So what is bad crunch? Is it an extra four hours a week? When we worked at GameStop, John, we were salaried at 44 hours a week. We worked 44 hours a week as a minimum that was required minimum. So I wasn't was it stupid? Yes. Like I'm not and I'm not saying that like crunch that, that that like overtime doesn't suck and forced overtime doesn't suck. But I'm trying to understand like is that the same, right? Cuz when you say that that's crunch. So let's say 4 hours overtime every week is crunch. So what happens then if you call crunch the 80 hours of overtime that EA is pushing on their people to finish whatever garbage Star Wars game they're pumping out that that month. And when crunch became like the most known buzzword in the world was when EA would have a new game coming out like every three to six months and when you were on a project that got done they moved you to the next project that was in crunch mode because they needed extra all hands on deck right so then that team would crunch for a month or two and finish the project then that person would get moved to the next crunch team and there was a perpetual cycle of crunch for many many for some people for many months into years
2: that's not Uh, good
0: that's not healthy well and
2: Epic is kind of going through that right now with, with Fortnite or at least was really bad because they were constantly needing to come out with new content. Right. And so they were, they would get done with one season pass and then go straight into the next major piece of content. Now I think that they probably were being compensated very well for that because of how much money that Fortnite was making. I'm willing to bet that, uh, that Epic was sharing in those profits with their employees but yeah, that that would be stressful.
0: Yeah, and and so that's my issue. My issue is that are you gonna if if you start saying that working six day work weeks for a month before a project's done is crunch, then you're taking away from the really negative crunch of studios that are doing it worse. Um, so there now needs also, to be. I'd like there to be defined parameters. Is that so difficult? Like, can we can we define what actual crunch is? You know, and then part of the argument they make is that. It's it's not mandatory overtime, but it's mandatory like that's they say it's not required. But you know what it means when your boss says you don't have to work extra. Well, yeah. Yeah. You have to get the job done. So you're right. You don't have to work extra, but you got to
2: work enough to get the job done. So, you know. So. Uh, Yes. My take on it. uh, So I work at the post office. Uh, If if you call six day work weeks crunch then I have been crunching for the last year and a half. Yeah. Uh, just, it's <laughs> because, just, yeah. Yeah. Because I work six day work weeks. I, I probably have had in the last year and a half of working at the post office, I think I might have had two weeks where I actually had two days in a or two days off. Now, two days in a row off is way more Unheard rare. Unheard of. <laughs> um, but yeah. So, so like, I've basically been crunching for that amount of time. Um, also, but I don't care. Like the paycheck's good. I whatever. I'm willing to deal with it. Um, the the thing that I would think that some companies are guilty of crunch, and and some like you should look at somebody harshly versus another. So CD Projekt Red makes how many games at a time? Like two, two major maybe. ones. Yeah. And they come out years and years apart. So, so The Witcher came out what, like two thousand? Was it sixteen or seventeen?
0: Uh, two thousand fifteen, actually.
2: Okay, so so it's been five years since their last game, and they've been working on. I think they've been working on Cyberpunk since before that, even. Yep, I think it's eight and, years or something. Yeah. Yeah, and so they are right at the the finish line. And they are a publicly traded company, and I think they're from Poland. And they also have, I believe, they have loans and grants through the the country of Poland that they potentially have to start paying back once the game launches. So if they so they've already pushed their game back, what I think two or three times, uh, delayed it,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, and they're to the point where. They know that they don't need to delay it as much and that they just need to one, hit their launch date so that way they don't affect their stock price and don't piss off their shareholders. They want to hit the, the console launch because they're damn close. And and they know that they just have bugs to to wrap up before they launch the game. It's important to wrap up those bugs also because people are going to be reviewing the game. So you don't want somebody to be reviewing a game that you that is riddled with bugs and get a terrible score when if you if you don't crunch you might patch it a month later and it fixes all those bugs but you still have that negative review score on day 1 that review score won't change like it will it would still be very negative in on metacritic so whereas you look at you mentioned EA I mentioned epic where they are constantly crunching, they're constantly going from one thing to the next. They're constantly pumping out another game in the series, and so it is a constant crunch. Uh, I mean, like like Activision with Call of Duty coming out almost every single year for twenty years. It seems like um, all those teams not only are are making the next the next call of duty but they're also making dlc for other games in the call of duty series like they're working those guys to death and at uh, at call of duty black ops 3 it finally came to a head where they're like we don't have the time to make the the multiplayer or the single player and it 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 got lost to the wayside because they are not balancing their employees time well enough and they they have too advanced of a release schedule so like that is where like i look at that as like if you failed to make an, a major component of your game you know you're burning your people out
0: yeah well and so and that that's that's a great point and that's the point i'm trying to make is just that that's not the same thing what they're doing right. there what ea is doing is not the same thing as what CD Project Red's doing, and when he does these articles, like I would like there to be some sort of distinction between that, you know, like like there can't just be crunch bad, crunch bad, like like crunch bad. It can't just be that. It has to be there has to be more nuance to the argument than that. And and so I'm glad you brought up about working at the post office, right? Because that's something that people bring up oftentimes. And yes, there's a lot of white knighting when it comes to like people loving cyberpunk and CD project red so they'll put up with anything that's stupid too like if they if they need to be called out on something call them out on it and so when they people make that argument about well a lot of people have crunch well bartenders have to work more on 4th of July and grocery stores have to work more you know whatever it is then their 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 quip back to that is is how like it's, it's sad how, uh, what do they call it, like the um, the American hustle or the hustle mentality of do your best to climb the ladder. Like they're attacking that. Like that's something that's broken. Like, like something that's broken in Americans is thinking that you need to push that hard to be successful. And, and don't get me wrong. I think there is a mentality in a lot of industries where you will burn yourself out if you're not careful. And if you're trying too hard to climb too fast, you will burn out. Um, mm. But that's the argument they make. And, and, and all I can think to myself is, and this is the other point I wanted to make before we move on, is just people think that these amazing pieces of media and art get pulled out of someone's ass and take no effort. It, they have to, because when, when you have something like this, the amount of effort and the amount of sacrifice and the amount of skill that go into creating something like this is massive. And so, of course, and, and you know what it is, though? It's still an industry built on making money. It's it's always about making money. So if you have a problem with capitalism and you have a problem with corporatism, well, sorry, then you don't get to enjoy video games. It's still, it's not, a, it's not art. It's not about the art. It's about the, it's about the money. And so it, I'm it's just what it is, I, you know? And so if you, and if you don't like that, if you say, hey, I, I, I don't want to live in a world where to enjoy games, I have to, you know, feel like people are sacrificing their time. Then okay, then and you don't have to play it. And if more people did that, maybe they would change their, their mind. But I just feel like no one understands the massive undertaking these things are eight years. Right. And you're supposed to plan out a project perfectly eight years in the future, perfectly allocate your resources and time. Get the heck out of here with that. You know, like a yeah. lot of these people have no idea what it's like to work on something that long term. They have no idea what it takes to work on something like this. And first of all, they are getting compensated. Not only are they getting paid overtime as per Polish law, but the company's doing that. They're getting what you brought up to me, which is there's that huge bonus, that huge incentive bonus that all the developers are getting
2: um, yeah, when this game so, launches. So they're going to be giving a. A bonus of 10% of the profit made, uh, I believe, from the entire year. Um, now, I don't know if that like begins once Cyberpunk launches and goes until like a calendar year from that date. Or if it's like, I would hope it's that. Um, but yeah, they're going to get 10% of the company's profits uh, for that year. And, and that's going to be divided amongst the development team. And so if they make $500 million, they're going to get, what is that, $5 million? Did
0: you say 10% would be $50 million?
2: Oh, 50, so $50 million divided amongst, like, probably 400 to 800 people. I don't know how big mm-hmm. the, the Cyberpunk development team is, but, like, that's that's a good incentive and plus whatever their regular pay is and and honestly these people worked for 8 years to make a game now now obviously the the CEOs and the shareholders and stuff are just in it for the profit but the developers are in it to make something awesome that they can be proud of and so like i saw people on on reddit saying that they weren't going to buy the game because they went back on their word and they forced their employees to do to crunch. So six, six extra days in a month and a half are being added to their, their schedule. So that way they can get the game done and they can get it into our hands in a way that, that functions and that they can be proud of. And these people that have been potentially waiting to get for the game for years are going to boycott it and, and say, we don't want what you've, worked so hard for because of six days of extra work like i don't know if that's just the the gamergate idiots just just saying things online um because lots of people like to just stir up crap on the internet and claim that they're gonna do something when they had no intention of buying it in the first place yeah yeah exactly but but it's like these people like if you want cyberpunk right now this shouldn't stop you from buying the game Buy the game hopefully the game is amazing and i hope everybody enjoys it and and thank the development studio for it like go on twitter and once once the game's out and say hey thanks thanks for all your hard work we appreciate it we hope you get some we hope you get a an extra long vacation this summer or something
0: yeah well and it's it it brought me to another thought about which is going to turn to a longer conversation because I can't ever not do a longer conversation about this. But <laughs> like, like recently as well, when they announced the Harry Potter game, and J.K. Rowling's been like particularly opinionated on her views on feminism, and um, dumb, and 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 yeah, yeah. I mean, she's like an old school feminist, so she's she feels like she's still fighting for women, and that somehow trans rights take away from the fight that women have f- to claim their womanhood, right? So she's making some very like very opinionated statements about that upsetting a lot of her fans. And so now there's this big thing. It's like, well, I'm not going to buy the new Harry Potter game because she's going to get money from it. If you do. And it's like, these people don't know the contracts. She probably got paid upfront a set amount of money based on using the property. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, yes, there's probably bonuses as well where if or, or maybe she does get paid a percentage. I don't know. The, you know, the guy who sold the rights to the witcher, to CD Projekt Red for the Witcher, he chose a lump sum of money because he thought the game wasn't wouldn't like, sell for anything.
2: <laughs> wasn't it like fifteen thousand dollars or something? I, I don't think it was that low, but I
0: it wasn't as much as he would have gotten on the percentage basis. He was, he was pissy for
2: years about
0: it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And now he's just kind of like, eh, I had no clue. And uh so so I understand that. And I understand if you want to boycott, I'm fine with that. I don't have any problem with that. But I gotta like I want to tell you something. Okay. If you buy something, somebody up the chain who you disagree with, who is a terrible human being is going to make money somewhere, everywhere you go. You can't shop at Target. You can't shop at Walmart. You can't shop anywhere. You can't eat at any restaurants. You can't. So I'm just saying like, if that's your stance where you're not going to support any product where like a crappy person is going to make money off it at the top, then you can't, you can't have anything, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> then you can, Then you got to go into a field, take an apple, eat the apple, spit the seeds into the ground, grow your own apple tree, and then harvest your apples and eat them and harvest the seeds and plant some more apple trees. And then you don't have to support, you know, any corporations. I don't know. You know, that's what I'm just saying. Like, it sounds stupid, but that's just, that's just the truth. There's always gonna be somebody like a local farmer might not agree with you politically. So, okay. So you don't want to get anything from the farmer. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's not, it, ah, you know, so ultimately... What what frustrates me about the whole thing is that people are very different. Right? And so I think what happens with this, and I would love to know more, and I'd love to ask Jason Schreier more, but he's such a smug little shit ass that like whenever you tweet <laughs> at him, he's always like got some quirky comeback, and then his his thousands of little like cronies come out of nowhere and they're like, crunch beard, uh, you love corporate America. Uh. Like I'm 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 a single person business owner. I hate corporate America. Okay. I've been fighting against them (laughs) for 10 years, you know? So don't, so don't give me that. Like I'm a corporate bootlicker bullshit, you know? And so, uh, so people are different. And so like you said, John, going back to you, You've been working these six hour day, these six day weeks, working a ton of extra hours, but the paycheck's nice. That's your motivator. Mm-hmm. You have a family, you pay the bills, and then you get extra fun money to buy something you like to do, collect video games. Okay. That's how some people are. That's how I am. That's how you are. That's how plenty of people I know. Now, there's plenty of people though that would say, you know what, I work my 40 hours a week and I want to go home and I don't want to think about work. I don't want to work an extra hour a week. I don't want to work an extra eight hours a week. I don't want to work anything extra. I want to get paid and I want to go home. I'm not going to answer my phone. I'm not going to answer emails. That's just how. And what? that's fine too. But I feel like this stuff is always from people like that. Like the people that reach out to Jason Schreier to complain are people like that. And it doesn't fully represent all the people that work there. Because all yeah. the people that work there are still working there throughout all of this because one, they get to work in an environment that's one. I mean, look at the potential for the money to make off the sales of this thing. Two, again, you put that on your resume that you worked on Cyberpunk or you worked on Witcher 3, you're guaranteed any job you want unless you're going against somebody else who worked on the same game, in the same department. And so it's just like there are other benefits there, but it just comes down to we're different people. And I think the people that complain about this stuff, like they're just different and they don't want to work extra and that's fine. But maybe they should be in a different industry then. That's not a creative industry that's built on deadlines and making money. Because there aren't a lot of, well, like, like, it's it's like Hollywood in that sense. Like, movies aren't just magically pulled out of someone's ass. Like, they take incredible yeah. amounts of effort.
2: Yeah, and most, most actors work, like, 18-hour 18, 18 days yeah. when they're shooting.
0: Like, like the, the girl that, uh, she was in John Wick 2, and she was Batgirl on the new CW show. She quit after one okay, season. Okay, yep. Cause she's like, yeah, honestly, like this shooting schedule is crazy. And I got to do like 20 episodes a year. And she's, she basically quit after one year of like, that's her biggest role she's ever had. I mean, besides being a John wick, but I mean, she was like a minor character in that. So whatever. So anyway, we're 32 minutes into this podcast, right? John. And we haven't talked about anything else except my stupid rant. of the week. <laughs> so we're going to move on, but that's just it. I mean, and I, I just, I, I, And every time I see one, it just irritates me. And I want to ask him like, hey, Jason, what are your, what's your definition of crunch? You know, what, what is your definition of crunch? Is it anytime someone's has to work overtime? So, so is crunch overtime more than four weeks at a time? Like, what is the expectation? Because I think there are companies that legitimately do abuse their employees. And I think those should be differentiated from companies like this that aren't doing that, that are just having a, a normal overtime period. So, and some people beg for overtime, by the way, I've got customers that come in all the time that are like, they work at a factory and they're like, do I get paid time and a half overtime? I'm asking for anybody's shifts. I'll take any shift I can get. I want all that <laughs> money. I'm like, okay, that's just how that person wants to be. And so to yep. just assume everybody hates working extra and getting paid extra automatically, that's kind of stupid. I don't know. It's just kind of stupid. Yeah. Just because I'm you're lazy doesn't mean everybody
2: else is lazy, you know? I'm averaging 65 hours a week. Nice.
0: Nice. Well, and I told myself when I opened my store, I was the only employee. I worked 60 hour work weeks. I worked six days a week. And I told myself like, this is how it's got to be for a couple of years, work hard, make it successful. And then I can ease into something else. You know, like that animator, you put your nose to the grindstone, you work hard, you work for a couple of years, you know, maybe you become lead animator, you know, and then you tell the other animators what to do and you get to relax a little bit on your schedule. You know what I mean? Like that, that's kind of how it works. You know, I don't know. It just seems weird to me. And, and I don't know, like people get, Especially people who aren't from the U.S. think that this is like a U.S. issue. The U.S. isn't even the worst when it comes to this sort of attitude like Japan. Let's start talking about corporate like corporate uh, expectations in Japan. Yeah. Crazy high suicide rates because they work their employees to death, like literally, you know. Yeah. And so, like, I don't know. I, I just have a hard time feeling bad for people that don't want you to feel bad for them. You know, like, there's probably ha- over half the people working on that game, I guarantee you like, who cares, man? The extra paycheck's nice. And, uh, like, we're we're working on something that's going to be, like, freaking magical. You know, like, this this game, when it comes out, is going to change the game. And it is. You know, not every game that you work on is a game changer. This one is. So, yeah.
2: Well, and, like, I feel like Jason Schreier has an agenda that he's been trying to unionize and push for unionization of the video game industry. Yes. And, like, don't get me wrong, I am not against unions. I'm in the union uh, for the mm-hmm. post office. I'm I like a pro-union guy. Um, I'm a pro-union guy. Yeah, um, But I really feel like a lot of like, J- a lot of Jason Schreier's articles seem like he is pushing that unionization agenda, which if he can uni- unionize the video game industry, that probably would be positive for a lot of people. But then like I don't necessarily think we should villainize everybody that he sets his crosshairs on. Like every story that he writes isn't nece- shouldn't necessarily be looked at like yeah. it's the the end of the world.
0: and they're the only damn stories he writes. I swear to God, like it's all he ever writes is he's always got a new piece about like it's because it gets a ton of clicks and views. He's just like everybody else, you know. Well, and, and now, and he, gets now a lot he works of... at Bloomberg, so now he's got a really dark, a... you know profile pic that looks all serious guy's a flipping clown like he just looks like a he just looks like a just a dumpy shithead you know like I, he's just got that face you know <laughs> it's
2: just crazy to me I, I listen to his uh his podcast every once in a while
0: I can only imagine what he sounds like I've never heard him talk
2: I've only um he's got a voice. really high weird like high pitched voice
0: yeah that sounds um, about right
2: it's it's not something I expected <laughs>
0: <laughs> right so let's, let's get to the teardown, John. Let's get off it. Let's get to the teardown because nah. we, we only got like an hour left to get through this now. Um. So next up on the podcast, we are talking about the PS5 teardown. So this just happened today. Uh, Sony released a video of Masuyasa Ito, the EVP hardware engineering and operation at Sony Interactive Entertainment. And he did a full breakdown of the PS5, man. He shredded it uh, piece by piece, took it apart, showed us what was on the inside. Um, obviously I don't have the video up here or anything and I can't show it cause they're just going to copyright strike it anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll have this nice picture of him sitting here, but John, did you watch the video?
2: Um, I did. I, um, I didn't watch it subtitled, so I didn't know what he was saying. I was just, uh, you obviously when they, when they zoomed in on certain components, they would tell you like, this is the GPU, this is the CPU, this is the, uh, the GDDR whatever RAM. This is the SSD. Yep. Um, so, like, the the things I found most interesting about the the console, um, personally, was that the bl- the the white panels can be taken off, uh, by customers that, very like, easily. That, yep. That doesn't seem like it's going to void your warranty. I don't even think um, you have to
0: take a screw out for that either. Like, they just snap off. Yeah, which clips, I think yeah.
2: that's cool. As somebody who has a bunch of collector's edition consoles and like faceplates for Xbox 360s and stuff, um, I would like to see somebody do a different, like uh, different colors, potentially, um, or even like different, like different physical shape, because like that weird popped collar look that mm-hmm. the uh, mm-hmm. the PlayStation Five has like, those, those popped parts on the top don't look like they would necessarily have to be there. Um, so somebody could even change the form factor a bit, potentially. Um, so I thought that was cool. Um, I also thought it was really interesting that once you take out the, the cooling and the power and the... So, like, if you, if you bought the, the digital version of the console, minus the cooling system and the power supply... The, the system's on one circuit board. Yeah. Like, it's all one thing. Like, I was very surprised at how small the SSD was. Uh, it was, like, three chips on the circuit board that looked like nothing. Um, and, like, how the 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 RAM is, like, encircling the, the CPU I thought was interesting. Um, so it's funny to me that the system has to be so big for what is such a simple board yeah uh like because if if you take apart like the genesis or the regular the super nintendo or the regular nintendo like they're more complex than what this system looks like
0: yeah if you have the digital only version the only moving component is the fan and that's pretty cool actually that that's something that as we got into CD technology, everything became more complicated and more prone to breaking. So once you started having moving parts, disk drives, stuff like that, it makes the possibility for things to break more. And so uh, th- I think it's pretty cool that, uh, you know, overall there's not a whole lot going on inside there that looks breakable, as, mm-hmm. as stupid as that sounds. I mean, but it's it, it's it's pretty it, – it's, it's shockingly simple on the inside. I would agree.
2: I didn't see any capacitors that could be uh... – <laughs> that exactly. could be filled with uh, with toxic crap that could burst. Yeah, that in, burst in and ten years you your, board. your yeah. board.
0: Yeah, so and I'm with you. So the I, as someone who hates the two tone white and black look, as soon as they make a black faceplate, I will buy them and just get my system fully murdered out. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the stand, it's whatever. I, I'm glad that they're including it because that's usually something they've sold in the past separately. Um, yeah. People seem irritated that you. Screw the stand in to the bottom when it's standing up. I mean, that's like if you look at PS2 Slim, you had to screw in the stand for that on the bottom. And anything yep. else that wasn't like super, like anything that had the potential to tip over, they're adding that extra level of security. So I don't know why that's something that like people kind of grabbed onto today
2: uh, was like, PS- how do you have to screw it in? PS3 uh, systems have had screw in stands as well.
0: Yeah. 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 I think the Slim did. I don't, I think the fat one, you just stood it up because the thing was. F- Flipping huge, but um, but the I, slim it still and the super a spot slim for it, I think yeah, it might be. Um, so so I thought I, I I'm totally with you. I thought that was really easy. I thought it was interesting when you take off both plates that the fan essentially goes like through the system which, which yeah. is kind of interesting design, but I like it. I mean, Sony has been making hardware for a very long time, and and they know now, and they have engineers, and they have techs that like understand this sort of stuff. So I'm, I I thought that was pretty cool. I also like that you can strip it down and take the fan out without voiding your warranty. It's not until you try to take the heatsink and the disk drive out that and the board that you break the warranty, which means you can open it up.
2: Hmm? did they officially say that like that the fan the fan wouldn't void the warranty so i haven't seen that but they the warranty sticker is is okay. covering
0: up a piece that's after you get to the fan so that's so you just my put assumption sweet
2: uh some sweet glowy fans in there
0: well you could or <laughs> but it but it makes the option of cleaning it one or replacing it two if it dies so that that's Ooh. that's nice that's that's convenient so i like that um and then i I guess my only real complaints were, you were talking about it, there's the board that's got like the RAM, it's got 16 gigs of RAM all around the um, the uh, GPU, and then on the back side of the board, they show the SSD, which is a collective, I think it ends up being 750 terabytes or whatever they said, or 750 gigabytes, excuse me, of whatever it was going to be. Uh, 825. 825, thank you. I knew it was some weird number, right? <laughs> a
2: bizarre ass number.
0: Um, most likely it's a 1 terabyte with space reserved for like system system updates and stuff. Um
2: uh I know it's it's straight up 8 825 okay. and then speculation is that there's going to be 600 free.
0: Okay, so that makes okay, so interesting. So the 850 okay, it's fine. Um so <laughs> but looking at that, I was a little nervous right away because that internal SSD is not like an SSD that you put into a computer. It is straight up soldered into the motherboard. They look like mother they look like they're their chips soldered, hard soldered into right. the motherboard. So at first I was like, "Ooh, I don't I don't really like that." And I still don't really like it because if that fails, like right now if your PS4 hard drive fails, you replace the hard drive and you're back up and running. Like you lose what was saved on it, but you you have it working again. If your hard drive goes out on this thing, you have to send it into Sony. Like there's no way to fix it yourself unless you're going to desolder and I don't I think they use custom SSD chips for that because I've never seen an SSD like that installed that way in a, in a standard PC. So, yeah. so I don't like that. But then someone brought up a good point on Twitter that, yeah, but it, that, that he's dealt with a lot of PCs in, in IT, and he's never had a PC outlive an SSD. You know, like the SSD mm-hmm. always outlives the PC. Like he said that, and, and that doesn't mean that that's going to be this case, but that sort of storage has... Again, no moving components, right? No moving parts to break down, and so that ultimately makes it uh, much more reliable. And, and so, but but still, kind of makes me nervous. And then the other thing, this is a tiny thing, but like having to take a faceplate off and then take another door off to put in the expandable internal memory, just seems like Microsoft has it literally just plug into the back of their system, and I think that's kind of cool. Like it was almost like a yeah. cartridge you just pop in the back. That you know that kind of seems more convenient but also I don't think you're really ever going to put more than one in. So like once you put it in, it's done. (laughs) And and so I don't know. I mean, it was always kind of, which is funny because with the Xbox one, Microsoft made it where you straight up couldn't take the hard drive out. (laughs) You couldn't change it. You couldn't update it without voiding your warranty. Sony made it swappable in older generations by about the same thing. You have to unscrew a door and pop out something. So it's not, it's not a big deal at all. It's just, those were two things that I was like, eh, kind of wishy-washy on.
2: But, the thing I wish for both systems is I wish there was more than one expansion slot for uh for the expandable hard or er, SSDs. Sure. Because I'm crazy and I want to have everything installed. Uh, and I know that's not gonna be possible with the new consoles.
0: Well, yes, very true. Uh and, and see what's funny is I'm I'm actually different. I usually if I'm done with the game, I know I'm not gonna go back to it, I'll just uninstall it. Like I have no problem with it,
2: you know. I'll do that, but I've, I'm so guilty of like starting a game and playing it for a little bit, and then putting it down for five months, and then going back to it. Yeah. Um. So that's that's why I like to have everything installed. Um. The one thing that, so Microsoft talked about this years ago, but it like never panned out for Xbox One. Um. But it is happening for the Xbox One or Series X. Um, they're going to allow you to decide what parts of the game you want to install. So if, for certain games, if you don't plan on playing the multiplayer, you can just not install the multiplayer. If you don't play the single player, you can just delete the single player and save the space on your drive, which is awesome, because, like, I almost never play multiplayer, so if I can save the space, like, call of duty uh, modern warfare uh i bring up a lot which is now up to 250 gigabytes mm-hmm. on xbox uh, one yes sir. like good lord what if you just wanted to play the single player like you can't without taking all of those patches that ballooned that thing up to one fourth the size of the hard drive of the new console
0: <laughs> yeah um so speaking of the uh expandable memory now, Sony's saying that you should be, people are saying you should be cautious about buying memory now because Sony hasn't revealed an official compatibility list yet. But if you look at like a 500 gig, I was looking at 500 gig and one terabyte sticks of the NVMe uh, memory. And I got, I actually ordered it today and I'm pretty sure it's going to be okay. And if it's not, I'll return it. I've got the time but uh it was 160 bucks for one terabyte expansion okay so right now that is 60 dollars cheaper than the xbox one seagate storage um but the 500 gigs were like 90 90 bucks okay. to add another 500 gigs to your system so that seemed much more reasonable than the than the 200 upgrade for the series
2: I don't know if that's going to be fast enough because, like the, like I'm not a tech head enough, so this this info is just going to be coming from me reading from more techie people. Um, but from what I read, the, uh, some memory manufacturers just came out with like new stuff, and and the the PC gearheads were basically saying that new stuff was probably going to be up the snuff. Uh, for what the PlayStation 5 is going to require based on the specs that Sony's released about the internal stuff. Mm -hmm. And one terabyte in that speed memory was about 240. Um, Which, based on the fact that the PlayStation's memory is faster than the Xbox's, I think that's probably going to be closer to what a one terabyte for what the PlayStation is going to require will be. Mm. Um, uh, Now we, the system is a little over a month away. Sony really needs to be nailing down these things. They, they need to be talking about who, what manufacturers are making the product that we can look at to add to our console because it's, it's coming. Like there's, there's not enough information coming out about IOV systems, um, but more so on the PlayStation side in the last couple weeks. Like I was telling you, there's like been a, a dearth of information. Uh, like we just got nothing. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Microsoft's talking a lot about backwards compatibility based on like what they're allowing people to talk about via NDAs. Cause a lot of people have, uh, prototype kits out there. Yeah. Um. Uh, but I'd like to know more considering how close we are. Yeah, I mean
0: I guess I would too, especially about expandable memory because I want to do it right away. Yeah. But the cool thing is that it's expandable memory, not replacing memory. So I don't have to do it before I buy my system. Like like ultimately if it was like my Pro, when I bought my Pro I wanted to upgrade to a 2 terabyte hard drive right away. If I did the mm-hmm. 1 terabyte, used it for a while and then wanted to upgrade to the 2 terabyte, I lose all that stuff. Without, and then have to redownload it all. There's not really a way to transfer the data. As opposed to event, like I can have it on the initial 600 of ava- whatever's available and then pop in my one terabyte stick when I get it. So it's not as important yeah. to have it right away, but I agree. Like I just feel like at this point, you'd think they'd already have like co marketing set up with like Samsung and all the makers of these chips and be like, hey, right. here's the PS5 version of the stick. It is a little strange.
2: Yeah, uh, you, you'd think somebody would want to would want to team up and be like yeah we are the the manufacturers of of like sandisk like on nintendo with their overpriced uh, sd cards of sandisk the the official playstation branded ssd that you should buy uh for the best results there should be a list of those
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. And like if they're already working on a compatibility list, then that should be coming out because the problem is as soon as they come out with that, all those prices are going to skyrocket. And I kind of want to get one (laughs) before that, you know? Um, but it is what it is. So anyway, other than that, uh, I thought it was a cool video. I, I love the techie side of it. It was very technical. It was just, Hey, here's how you take this apart and do this. It talked about what the processor was. Um, Yeah, I don't know. And and the early reviews from people that have them are saying that it's whisper quiet. Uh, They said they double insulated the drive to reduce noise from the drive. Uh, They said it runs cool and runs quiet. I mean, that's that's a tall order. (laughs) Usually you
2: don't get both, you get one or the other. I've Um, (laughs) heard that the Xbox runs quieter, but gets hot.
0: Well, so I've heard, yeah, so I've heard the reports about it getting hot too, and there's even the joke where one person grabbed like the removable memory out of the back and like burned his hand on it or whatever. Um, <laughs> but here's the thing: um, running hot isn't necessarily bad as long as yeah. it's within the parameters of what they expect it to be temperature-wise, because they you know it can run a certain temperature, and as long as they've planned for that, they're fine. So I, I you know yeah. I don't know. I think that's a crappy thing to try to rip on Xbox for. I you know. I don't know it just seems silly to me like to try to pick them apart on stupid stuff like that because you don't know until you see it you don't know until the hardware in your hands
2: did you see the picture of the bo- both the systems side by side um probably um it's a little it's, it's a little forced perspective because the Xbox is pushed back a little bit further than the PlayStation but the PlayStation looks like it absolutely dwarfs the Xbox yeah in, in like height it's crazy like like if you would have asked me back when they first showed off the playstation 5 and what it looked like it what console would be bigger i would have definitely said the xbox because of like we've seen pictures of it and for longer and it definitely looks huge.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So I was very surprised to see that it looks like it's almost twice as tall as the Xbox. Yeah. One
0: X. It, the thing is wild how big it is. And it's funny. Cause like you said, there's not even that much in there, but that was the big thing when they, when they pulled it apart and they pull out the heat sink, the heat sink is probably a third of what's inside that case. It's this huge yeah. copper heat sink with like these airflow pipes and it's it's it it's well designed. Like they understand heat flow. Like they understand components, and it, it basically kicks. It it soaks all the heat, and it kicks it up to the fan. The fan kicks it out. Like it's, I don't know. It looks like a well designed piece of hardware to me.
2: <laughs> so, yeah, I I think a lot of people are going to have trouble putting that thing in their their entertainment unit. Oh my god, it's so like, huge. Mine's not going to fit. Like I I I said to my friend, I'm like I'm going to need to put this thing on the floor next to my entertainment unit oh,
0: God. don't put on the carpeting um no i don't have carpeting <laughs> in my house but uh yes uh, i am feeling the same way like i'm probably gonna stand mine up flat on that little ledge that's behind my tv and it'll just be hidden behind my tv that's mounted
2: to the wall <laughs> nice just where it's gonna go
0: uh any last thoughts on the ps5 breakdown
2: uh i'm excited for it i'm i'm looking forward to both consoles but i think the after after I get the PlayStation Five in my house, uh, like on the twelfth or whenever the hell I get it shipped to me, uh, the, I will definitely be playing Demon Souls, and that'll be the game I play for quite some time.
0: Yeah, I've been thinking about doing my extra life charity stream and play Demon Souls that weekend. Do like oh. t- do like twelve hours Saturday to Saturday like eight to eight or nine to nine or something, and just do it twelve straight hours of Demon Souls. <laughs> Whew, that'd be brutal but I would do it I would do it and I would I would enjoy some of it
1: <laughs> um,
0: okay so now we're going to get to the kind of a fun conversation and we're, I'm not quite sure where this is going to go because John and I literally didn't talk about this at all uh, except for the idea but we want to talk about some of our console launch memories I guess is what it's going to be right so yes because it was your idea John I'm going to let you kind of kick it off when you thought of this explain kind of what was you know what your vision of the conversation was but then kick it back to me like with a question and we'll we'll get this thing kicked off
2: yeah so I mean both of us have worked in the video game uh retail side of things for years like even though I worked at GameStop for for 10 years I've also worked at Toys R Us um, I worked at a place called, uh, um, Megamedia Exchange. Uh, and so like, I've always been around video game retail and I've gone to a lot of console launches and so I've, I've seen the launch of the GameCube, the original Xbox, the Xbox 360, the PS3, the, um, the DS, the 3DS, um, up to the current gen consoles, like, those are the ones that I've participated in a way. Um, and so I was kind of wondering, what is your first console launch memory? Um, and, like, what is, like, what's a memorable uh, launch story that you might have? And uh, what's what's a console launch that you participated in that you just don't freaking remember at all? <laughs>
0: Okay, so those are some good questions. So I have to, I would say it's a two-part. One is me as a customer. One's me as an employee of GameStop. So I'll start with my customer. So the first console that I bought on launch when it came out was the Sega Dreamcast. So I had a PS1 and I loved it, and then I decided I was going to get a Dreamcast. And so I remember going to... It became GameStop later. It was Software, et cetera, in the Wausau Mall, which I later got a job there. Actually, I got a job there the February after the Dreamcast came out.
2: Okay. But I got the... So, so 2000, I was, 2000 so when you started at GameStop.
0: 2000, then. yeah. And, and uh, so in... September because the Dreamcast launched 9,999 was the day yeah, that the man. Dreamcast launched. You'll never forget it. Brilliant marketing. And so I was leading up to that. I'll tell the funny story about that. So I was, you know, they had a demo unit at, at software, et cetera. And I was playing I'm like, Oh God, this is awesome playing soul Calibur. And so I reserved, Oh well, no, I didn't play soul Calibur. Excuse me. I played, um, what did I play? I, I so I, the two games I reserved were, um, NFL 2k and Blue Stinger because Blue Stinger was like the Resident Evil. like It looked like Resident Evil, right? That was their big selling Activ-
2: point. Activision Resident Evil.
0: Activision published Resident Evil game. And so I remember going to I remember going to Software Etc and they had a demo playable of Blue Stinger. So I started playing it on the demo and I'm like oh. And I actually changed my pre-order from <laughs> Blue Stinger to Soul Caliber, And so I got Soul That's Calibur and choice. NFL 2K and I was like oh Damn, that was a good choice. And Soul Caliber is is one of the ultimate. I think that'll go down as one of the best launch titles. To be fair, the Dreamcast launch was was pretty weak, but like Soul Caliber was very strong entering that. So was NFL 2K. Like that game was very good football game. And um and like that the 2K series really changed the game from Madden. Like no pun intended. Um, uh,
2: who's on the cover of the uh, the early 2K games?
0: Uh, Randy Moss, yep, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> NFL 2K's got a yellow cover, NFL 2K 2 has a purple and green cover, and NFL 2K 1, I don't remember, <laughs> but anyway, so then that was my customer one. So then I start working at, at Software, etc., and uh, it's 2000, then the summer of 2000, I have my biggest game launch, which is Diablo 2. Um, not only a, a huge game, but like one of my favorite games too. So that was a great time, but that was also the fall that the PS2 was coming out. So the first console that I worked at GameStop slash software, etc. the first console I launched was the PS2. Now I was a third key, which, uh, later became senior game advisor, which is basically think of it as a part-time manager. So if you've gotten a manager, you've got an assistant manager, This person's the assistant assistant manager.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Entry-level management
0: at GameStop. The most basic entry-level management, yes. And so I was a third key, and we pre-ordered PS2s that whole summer. I I remember it was like, I think it was from probably around E3 time until August or September or something, and then I come to work one day, and my boss, Janine, who is a good friend of mine now, I love her to death, uh, was tough as a boss, um, and you know, didn't like to do some of the dirty work. I get in one day and she goes, well, we got an email from corporate and corporate says we're only getting half of the PS2s that we (laughs) pre-ordered. You you have to call the bottom half of all of our pre-orders and tell them they're not getting one day one. I came to work one day and was told I had to do that. So thankfully this is not pre-internet, but this is pre-like 24-hour news cycle internet gaming news internet. And so... Mm -hmm. I I remember calling people and half the people in in Wausau and the Northwoods above it you know don't answer the damn phone half of them are disconnected phones <laughs> it's like okay these people are just going to show up and want you know because they all had 50 bucks down I mean it was you know so that that was a nightmare and I called a bunch of people and most people were really pissed off and it was just it was it was a nightmare but so those the, those what I would say are my two like First ever launches. So, from a personal perspective, the Dreamcast, and then professionally, the PS2.
2: The um, so for anybody that gets put into that sort of situation uh, by by your manager, this is what you need to do: blame someone else. <laughs> uh, so, so if I were to make that call, I'd just be like, "Hey, uh, this is John from GameStop calling. Uh, I'm unfortunately, I have to let you know that." Due to Sony cutting the amount of consoles that we're getting, we won't be able to get you that system at launch. But we will call you as soon as one comes in, and you push the blame off onto Sony, mm. mm-hmm. and it's not your fault anymore. Uh, and <laughs> that was always the case. Like, <laughs> like, um, so sometimes GameStop would they would encourage you to sell through. Um, like, if you got a whole bunch of preorders on a game, let's say Mario All Stars. They wanted you to sell through all of them. So, like, let's say you had thirty pre-orders and thirty copies of the game. They wanted you to get rid of all of them. They didn't care after a while, and they said, "Sell them all." Yeah.
1: Uh, don't we'll don't deal
2: hold the for... problem after the fact. Yeah. So,
0: sell. What we used to be told was that they had statistics that said ten percent to like twenty percent of pre-orders never get picked up. So yeah. they said, so... "So sell into your." You, so like if you had 100 copies you had 50 pre-ordered they're saying don't just sell the 50 sell another 5 or 10 because those 5 or 10 are never going to get picked up and the logic is sound but it's a little shaky because it depends on the game too And some games, yes
2: you know yes a, a mario all-stars game uh for the wii would be a dumb one to sell into pre-orders on Yes, uh, but like a call of duty you're you're safe to sell into that so what i would do whenever uh it happened that we sold into like a call of duty game. And then somebody came in to get that is I would say kind of along those lines of like, Hey, like they didn't send us the amount of copies we were supposed to get to cover pre-orders. But if you give me like an hour, I will have one for you. Right. And I lucked in, I lucked out in that there are three game stops within five miles of of my store. And so like, like they'd be like, "Oh, all right." and then I would I would haul butt over to the different store. I'd grab a cop of like five copies of the game, and then I'd come back and I'd get that customer their game. So like like that's something that it sucks un- unless or it it if you haven't uh, a solution to the problem before beforehand, you can make that problem not suck as bad. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so let me kick it back to you then, from a personal level, what was the first console that you bought? like day one and then professionally at GameStop what was the first console that you launched as an employee
2: uh so the first I think the first two I'm gonna remember one I'm just gonna cover for a second uh I I bought every launch title for the Nintendo DS uh, including Ping Pals. <laughs> I saw you, by the way, <laughs>
0: tweeting at Xeon about, yeah. <laughs> about Ping Pals. It was great. That
2: was great. Yeah, which, Ping Pals is not really a game. It's more like an instant messenger app. Uh, and it's also super useful because uh, if you want to use it, the other person has to have yeah. the same game <laughs> as you. So... So you need two people to have made that stupid decision? Yeah, why
0: would you use the (laughs) built-in wireless messenger between DSs when you could pay for one,
2: John? Right. And be ping pals. Um, (laughs) 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 Um, So the first one I remember as a customer you were involved with. Oh, Lord. So was the Xbox 360 launch and the... Um, I don't remember if I've told this story on the podcast before, but the the Xbox 360 launch will always be very memorable to me because I used to be really big into posting on the IGN.com message boards. I don't even know if they exist anymore, <laughs> but but they I used to obsess over the message boards and I was I was always an original Xbox guy, but I didn't post in the original, or in the Xbox forum, that much. I posted in a, a thing called the PS2 off-topic message board. So you, you weren't in the in that board. You weren't talking about PlayStation. You were just talking to other people. And so, uh, up to the launch of the Xbox 360, I also didn't post in the Xbox 360 message board that was created because i didn't want to talk about things that like i didn't have yet like i wasn't going to go onto the board and be like oh my god i can't wait to get need for speed most one them <laughs> on xbox 360 because whatever uh i'm not going to do that so on launch i bought every single xbox 360 launch game um i had them all and i was super excited and I had my game, I had my console reserved at the Bay Park Square Mall uh, GameStop, uh, which uh, a certain Greg Johnson uh, was managing at the time. A,
0: a much rounder. And, <laughs>
2: much yep. rounder, and Greg. So, so I remember very excitedly receiving my Xbox 360 Pro, con- or uh, I think it was called their Pro, um, the system with the 20 gig hard drive from you, and I raced home. And I plugged everything in, and I threw in, I think I probably would have thrown in Tony Hawk, uh, American Wasteland, because I think that was a launch title, and I got a disc read error. <laughs> and I was like, crap. And so I threw in Perfect Dark Zero, and I got a disc read error. And I threw in Need for Speed Most Wanted. Oh,
1: no. <laughs> and I threw in
2: Madden. And I threw in every single game And got discrete errors. And so I was like... Crap. What the hell? Because I'm thinking... um, Because at this point... The consoles now are getting difficult to get on launch. And so you had to have a reserve. And then there's also a good likelihood that if you didn't have a reserve... You probably would wait a month or two before you might get another console. uh, Walking into the store. And so... I posted on the IGN 360 message board and said my console is not working. What do I do? And in like a half hour so I'm like I'm like debating on what I what I should do and in that half hour people are just flaming the crap out of me saying that I'm a PlayStation 2 fanboy because I posted in the PlayStation (laughs) off-topic message board. Um, They're saying that I'm trying to torpedo the launch of the Xbox 360.
0: They're accusing you of being a pony?
2: Yeah, they're they're saying I'm a a (laughs) fanboy, etc. So what I did was I posted a picture of me uh, holding up a copy of the collector's edition of Perfect Dark Zero with my... I had a 65-inch TV at the time behind me, with the disc read error uh, blade up on the TV, readable, and I left. Um, Because I wasn't getting a solution from the message board, and I thought to myself, I need to return the console to GameStop while I can, and then I need to uh, get in line at Best Buy and wait for an Xbox 360. So that's what I did. So, I got a 360, my friend picked up a 360 at the time, and we also got a 360 for his brother. And I think I bought two of them and his brother paid me back within like a day or two. And so, while I was waiting in that line, freezing my butt off, people on the IGN message board were digging into my post history finding out my real name, learning that my dad was murdered when I was eight. Oh uh, my God. And, and were tearing apart my life in this thread about me having a read error Xbox 360. Um, and so I got back and I looked at the thread and I was like, holy shit, uh, what the hell is wrong with these people? Uh, and I thought to myself, I'm like, I got three Xbox 360s in my house, and these people have spent all night on launch night flaming me. These people didn't get systems. right? So I'm like, what can I do to piss them off? Uh, oh, and so what I did was I sat in front of my TV, and I had all three Xbox 360s around me, because uh, because I had my buddy and his, and his brother's systems in the in my living room, and I was like, we're just gonna post a picture of me, and we're gonna look like I bought three of them, uh, <laughs> because they didn't. These people probably didn't get any, and we're just gonna post that up and make it look like I bought three. And so I uh, I did that. I I posted a picture up. I just said, problem solved. I have three now. <laughs> And and I left it at that. And uh, they they ended up uh, they were they're very mad. Uh, <laughs> and I pretty much stopped going on the message boards because of that experience. It was so toxic. That's terrible, man. That, that's that's like well, awful. Well, I was getting so uh, I used to be on AOL Instant Messenger back when that was a thing, and uh, on IGN you could post your your social links, I suppose. So like. AOL was a social link and so I had my AOL to messenger name and I was getting text messages from people randomly and like one guy said like hey your dad deserved to be murdered because he was a rat and I was like what the hell uh, what is awful, this man. it is Um, and so I was like what the crap and so like I had a back and forth with him shut up Siri uh so i had a back and forth with him and and then he had screenshotted it and he posted it on a nike shoe collecting message board and the only reason i i know this was that a different person that that had access to this private message board sent me a login to to look at it as a guest It was like hey man like I just want to let you know that this is happening. Like, it sucks. This guy's a piece of garbage. Um, take a look at this. And I was like, like, what the hell? I'm like, this this insanity went from a post on IGN.com, a video game website, to migrating to a, a shoe-collecting message board and I'm getting grief from it. Why did it he post so it to crazy.
0: a sh- why did he post it to a shoe? I'm just enamored by this. Like wh- what did he why did he post it to a shoe message board? What what was the what well, was the significance? Because
2: there? because somebody on IGN must have been also on that shoe collecting message board and so they must have posted a link to the IGN thread hmm. uh, on that message board and then it blew up on that message board as well. And then they thought they were going to like grief me and and like be like hee hee Oh sure, Uh, so so it really didn't work, and the guy ended up like most people on that message board came across and were like, "Dude, you're a dick." Um, So yeah, it was it was that was an interesting night. Um, Uh, So
0: once again, uh, the internet might be mankind's truly nastiest and worst invention. (laughs) Yes. just it's been used to terrorize people (laughs) forever. So
2: ironically, my most favorite launch is for a console that I don't give a shit about. Um, So, the Wii, I barely wanted. And I lined up at Best Buy uh, down in Appleton. And this was back when I had my Nissan Skyline. And so, I decided to bring that to the launch and i set the guy i was sitting next to in the line uh i started talking to and he was from minnesota but he was in wisconsin for uh for like i think it was around thanksgiving so he's in wisconsin for the holiday and his friend his parents live in appleton and he's actually was mutual friends with my friends dave and jake who ran a game store called video game kingdom so, through sitting next to him in line for a couple hours, we realized that we have a crapload of of mutual friends, and that actually, I heard a ton of stories about the weirdo that it was with him because uh, there was there was a guy that named Camino uh, with him that this guy was hammered. like none of no one else was drunk except for this one guy <laughs> and that showed up to this launch. And he was wearing a t-shirt and shorts. And it was very, very, very cold out.
1: Mm.
2: And so he waited in line for eight hours to, uh, through this Wii line not to buy a Wii. He did not buy one. <laughs> so where, where,
0: were, where were you waiting in line? Was it like Best Buy or something? Yeah, it was Best Buy and Appleton. Because um, I swear when the Wii launched, we had Wii consoles that first day like at GameStop throughout the day. It wasn't we well, didn't was, sell out until like the next day.
2: This was midnight that uh, waiting okay. for them to open at eight AM. Huh. So so as we were talking, like I, I was talking to Ryan and like we were talking about cars because he was like he's like, Are you the guy that drove here in the skyline? I was like, Yes. And he's like, Cool and so we were talking about cars and stuff and at one point we uh we decided to go to uh, Walmart and buy beanbag chairs. So that way we didn't have to sit on the hard, cold ground. Sure. And so we took, we took my skyline to go buy beanbag chairs and, uh, and we ended up like, I bought a, the majority of the launch titles for, for we, and then after we were done uh, getting all the Wii stuff, uh, me and Ryan and uh, my friends, we went over for the most important launch of that day. Um, do you know what that? Do you know what else launched on that day besides the Wii?
0: Um, because hmm, wasn't wasn't the PS3 like a few days before? Or uh, it is days? not the PS3.
2: Okay, uh, I do not remember. Go ahead. Let, tell so please tell me. The most important thing that came out that day was the three Burger King
1: games. <laughs>
2: oh my. <laughs> And so, so me and Ryan and, and my friends drove to straight to Burger King after getting our wheeze and we bought a value meal in all three of the Burger King games <laughs> and, uh, and I am still friends with Ryan to this day. And I have, uh, we've gone to Packer games together and, uh, we generally get together once a year to go to, to Midwest gaming classic. And I've, I've watched his daughters grow up and he's watched me, uh, get married and have, have a kid nice. and whatnot. And so like that's that's one of my favorite memories and and it's for a system that I didn't really play that much and don't care about.
0: <laughs> so we we got to get this podcast moving along but I want to pause this conversation and I want to pick it up next week cuz I have more including launches that I don't care about. Um okay. I, my last console launch at GameStop and then um yeah, some of the craziness around the PS3 360 uh, launches when I was a manager. So I have more stories I want to talk about. So we'll pause it, though. And we'll okay, do that I part two next week.
2: One quick trivia question, PS2-related. Okay, go ahead. Do you know what PS2 game that launched or launch game ended in Green Bay, Wisconsin? Hmm, PS2 launch game that
0: ended in Green Bay, Wisconsin. PS2 launch games...
2: You uh, the 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 level before it was in Chicago, and then you went up to Green Bay.
1: And it was a piece. And
2: and in the in the game, Green Bay was a uh, was a very woodsy environment with lots of uh, multi million dollar homes.
0: Was that um? Was that Silent Scope? Yes it was. Yeah. <laughs> 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 a stupid game. I I forgot yeah, Soundscope uh, I I kind of forgot that was a um that that was a launch title. The first one was? Yep. The first Soundscope was a launch title, huh?
2: Yes it was. Uh the the Chicago level was in a, a football stadium and then the uh Green Bay Wisconsin level was like Trees. you like yeah going into the woods and like sniping it out <laughs> in uh it was,
1: it was in the, some
0: multi-millionaire's home. It was in the cheese fields. <laughs> 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 all right so that's it for our stories we're going to talk about today john um so we have our games of the week we have our pickup pals of the week so what do you have what is your game of the week this week john
2: all right so i never picked ps3 games and so i I've, I've decided that to stop ignoring ps3 um i picked uh katamari forever for my game of the week uh, i love the katamari series and Katamari Forever is basically a cell shaded uh, greatest hits levels of the older Katamari games. We love Katamari, Katamari Damacy, and the um, the PSP one. But I forget what the hell the name is. Me and my Katamari. Yes, um, and so yeah, this this game is fantastic, um, and also um, the the re-release of Katamari Damacy for switch is getting a physical PS4 and Xbox one release, which I'm very excited about.
0: Yes. That makes me very happy. Cause I bought the switch one and I'll never play it on switch.
2: Yep. <laughs> so will be great. Uh, so what have you got this week for your game of the week?
0: So this is an oldie. Uh, it was actually, it was ported to PS4 recently, uh, but I've got the original Animusha. I, I okay. like this game a lot. Uh, it originally started off as a resident evil game. And then as development was going on, it somehow shifted and they, and whatever they ended up doing to change focus to make it its own branching title. But it, it felt like a Resident Evil game and it's puzzles and it's fixed camera, but then it was like a samurai action game and it was very good. And around this time, there was a lot of other samurai games as well. Like you had, you know, Tenchu was still coming out with games and this one really stood out. It was, it was really, really good. Um, and it's got that, like, Resident Evil feel to it, but it stood out enough on its own. They ported it to PS4, and they gave it the Resident Evil remake treatment where they gave it full analog support instead of having to use, like, tank controls or instead of having to use the D-pad. Like, it works yep. really well. And I actually sat down and, and beat the uh, the PS4 version of my Emotion in one sitting. I just, like, sat down and started playing it, and nice. I couldn't believe how short it was. But it's, it's just a really good game. It's a staple of the PS2, then there's the trilogy on PS2, and then Animusha um, Dawn of Dreams and Animusha Warlords. So it it was quite the franchise, and quite the franchise that I'm surprised Capcom has not brought back. Um, Did you
2: continue to play
0: all of them? No, I only played the first one because it was on PS4. Like, if they would release the other ones on PS4, I probably would play them, but, I mean, hooking up my PS2 is... Well, no,
2: did you play the old ones at the time? Oh, uh, yes, I did okay did it didn't hold up because i know that the second game didn't like it was a different cast of characters completely wasn't it
0: yeah and i think that's why i initially didn't like it because you play as Jubei, and he's like a cool character but he's different and you really like um sasuke uh from the first one and so you're just kind of like yes. man Sa- or sorry samanosuke you like samanosuke from the first one i'm like why well, don't I don't know. I had a story for the first one. I want to continue that. Now, obviously if you beat the first one, you probably understand why, but then the third game, they go back to Semenosuke and it's like a double timeline thing where it's Semenosuke, you play as him in ancient Japan and then you play as a French man, uh, John <laughs> Renault, who uh, was John Renault from the professional Leon, the professional. He, he was the, the person, the actor they used to, to be the character in that game and it's like a split story like a modern day Jean Renault and a past Samonosuke. it's very very weird uh and then dawn of dreams is a whole nother new character and story and everything so it's kind of like you know but uh but it's just it's a staple of the ps2 man this was when ps2 was really being innovative and uh and there were a lot of like ps2 isn't just great because it had good games the ps2 split Bond generations of new games that we still play today, games like Animusha, yeah. Devil May Cry, God of War. These are games that like they were born on the PS2 and went on to great things today. And Animusha is one of those uh, franchises. It's just a staple. It's just a just a just a really great uh, great piece of the PlayStation history.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. I would totally love for them to do a, a remaster of the the second, uh, the third, and uh, Dawn, Dawn of Dreams, because, like, I, I want to play those, and I never really got around to it back in the day. Yep. So,
0: John, what is in your pickup pile of the week? You said earlier, off air, that you had a massive
2: pile. I do. Um, so a lot of these I actually so got for stupid cheap through Best Buy um, because they had, like, a a deal where they slashed a bunch of games down to, like, Five ninety nine and seven ninety nine. So, is it fair um,
0: if, if, if 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 is it fair if I have Chemco shitters that you have Best Buy shitters?
2: Um. Well, Chemco <laughs> shitters are a very specific kind <laughs> of game, uh, whereas Best Buy clearance like can be anything. Hmm. Um. Okay. Whatever you say, so, boss. <laughs> Xbox One, uh, Middle Earth: Shadow of War, Definitive Edition. So the game plus all the DLC
0: which is um, a code, unfortunately. It's not on the disc, but that's... Yeah.
2: Cool. Um, I got Wolfenstein Youngblood Deluxe Edition, uh, Rage 2, yeah, and... Really quickly,
0: sorry not to interrupt you, but did you see yeah. that the Wolfenstein collection that they released? Yes. It's, it's like 70 or 80 bucks, and it's got like every yes. Wolfenstein game, like Wolfenstein, Wolfenstein 2, New Order, Old Blood... Like all that stuff, but anyway, sorry. I go ahead. Yeah,
2: or just or just buy Game Pass, um, because I think they're just on. I think that's just on the Xbox that that collection those collections are on. Because I believe they also have the Arcane collection.
0: The, the, it's on PS4 as well, but the problem okay. is they were like sold out instantly. So I don't know if they were weren't active yet. Oh, is it? Is it physical? It's physical. It's disc. You can oh, get a Best Buy right. physical disc. Yeah, and but it, but it was like sold out instantly. But it was also $80, and so something like that doesn't sell out instantly, especially for those games. Hmm. So there must be... Something's afoot.
2: Weird. Uh, And then uh, Evil Within 2. Um, So those are all on PS4. Uh, I got a steelbook that came with a free crappy game, um, (laughs) Fallout 76. Uh, for Xbox 360. <laughs> the, the listeners of this or podcast will
0: no follow 76 very well. I, I've dumped on that game on the reg.
2: Yep. <laughs> so, I, I was gonna ask you what the first game uh, that I own that has the Xbox Series X branding on it was in the podcast, but I already talked about it today with you. Um, so, I got um, Amazon listed the Nickelodeon Kart Racers 2 Grand Prix for uh, $20. Bucks. Uh, like, two or three months ago mm-hmm. when it's supposed to be 40 at launch. And okay, so I got nice. that. And um, my wife, Nicole, very rarely wants to play games with me. And when I was playing this last night, she's like, let's play multiplayer. And so we played that for about an hour and that was a good time. Nice. Um, uh, I had a hell of a time finding this one. Uh, I've been looking for Kingdoms Amalur Re-Reckoning for about a month and a half to two months now on Xbox One. And I finally tracked one down. Um, I loved this on 360, and it's fantastic. Um, If you want it on 360, I would recommend finding it sooner rather than later.
0: You mean on Xbox One? uh,
2: On Xbox One. Um, Because, like, Walmart, Best Buy, and Target are not carrying it. Um, I got the last copy that was at my GameStop. And, uh, it's delisted at GameStop, meaning that they won't be ordering more from the manufacturer. Uh, so yeah, you might want to hit up Amazon if you want it. Uh, and then last of the Xbox One games, uh, Mafia Definitive Edition. Um, I also downloaded the Mafia 2 Definitive Edition, um, because it was on sale digitally for cheap. Um, Mafia Definitive Edition looks amazing. They did a really, really good job of updating the graphics. Uh, the gameplay feels great. Um, it's very straightforward and almost feels like a linear, like story-based game without open world. Uh, at least in the beginning, um, and I've I've kind of been playing like a mission or two each night, and uh, it it feels nice to like just go from mission to mission and not necessarily dick around a bunch in the city and drive. And Waste Time, so, sure. so I've been enjoying that. Uh, the Mafia 2 Definitive Edition is very much a lazy port straight from Xbox 360. <laughs> of course um, it is. <laughs> it's, it's it's a great game. I like Mafia 2 a lot, um, so it's still worth playing. I liked Godfather 2 more than Mafia 2. Uh, I like Godfather 2 because there was a glitch that just made the strippers walk around on the streets without their tops on. Like and they would just wave at you uh, huh. if nothing was going on. Nice. So <laughs> nothing on place, place here, me. officer. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, ma'am. <laughs> a Little cold. <laughs> um. So, moving on. I bought one thing from your store today. Um, Naruto: Rise of the Ninja uh, for Xbox 360. Um, I have a weird issue with this game where the copy that I have, uh, whenever I hit a trap in this game, which they are plentiful. Uh, It hard locks up my Xbox 360 (laughs) and I have to turn turn it off and turn it back on.
0: That's amazing. So
2: I am hoping that a new disc will solve this problem because I really enjoy this game. The Ubisoft Naruto games are fantastic and it is a damn shame that they do not have the rights to it anymore because the Namco Bandai ones are very much like quick and dirty crappy fighting games just like every other Namco Bandai anime game.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't even try man, they've got like the cookie no. cutter approach on those it sucks.
2: Yep Alright, and so the last games I have, they're all for 360 and I've been waiting about five months for them um, <laughs> I ordered, uh, I made a big order on Asia, or not PlayAsia, Solaris, Solaris
0: Oh, Solaris, okay
2: and, and be, due to COVID, uh I think they're just back-ordered and behind. And so they finally shipped it out after I emailed them a couple times. I still love you, Solaris Japan. You're still awesome. <laughs> um, so, and I, thankfully, I'm patient.
0: Oh, good thing. So, well, they, they all listen to this podcast, I'm sure. So,
2: Right. Uh, so I got Tony Hawk's Project 8 for the Japanese edition for Xbox
1: 360.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, it has a separate achievement list from the American version. Um, and it is very much in Japanese, which is interesting because usually games originally p- created in the U.S. and released in Japan get a very lazy port where most of it is English. Still, not the case with that one. Um, I got Cyber Troopers Virtual or Virtual On Force. Um, I have the the twin sticks for the the Sega Saturn and fond memories of playing Virtual On. Uh, this game sucks. I'm oh, 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 Sorry to hear that. <laughs> like it's, it's so like I was playing it and I was like did the old ones feel like this? <laughs> this is so garbage. Um, <laughs> uh, it's very stiff and clunky. Mm. Um so I got Tetris Grandmaster Ace. Uh, which is a very interesting Tetris game. Um and like Grandmaster Ace is kind of like like if you can, like, people that are, like, amazing at Tetris and, and high-level players, they call them Grandmaster Aces. Uh, and this is also, I believe, a Tetris that has a mode where, like, the blocks are invisible. And so the only way you know what block you're dropping is uh, by looking at the, the up-next Oh, queue. sure. That's funny. Um so th- this is an interesting Tetris game. I've played it on 360, and I had some achievements already. Um, I just never got it because, like, Play Asia's cost on it was always super expensive. So these were all like sub ten dollars games on on Solaris Japan, and that's also par- why I didn't mind waiting. Um, so I got two uh, D3 publisher shitters: <laughs> uh, <laughs> Dream C Club and Dream C Club Zero, which are Uh, Like dating sim fan service y games.
1: Um,
2: So we'll see how that goes. Uh, (laughs) And then the last one I got is Momo Densaraiku 2 Choo Choo. (laughs) Initially. What the hell? (laughs) So. So. This is a game where uh, it's little girls uh, with, like, tanks on their backs uh, and, like, guns for arms and stuff. And it's a, uh, it's a Advanced war style strategy RPG. Well, that's kind of cool. <laughs> so it's, it's super, super goofy. And it's one of those ones where it's, like, only in Japan. And I'm surprised it's even on Xbox 360. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, all those games I got for for like under ten bucks. Nice. So I well, that, was like, yeah, what the hell? It's
0: fun to dig through Slayers Japan's like just cheap stuff. And there's some really cool stuff yep. that are really cheap. It's it's fun. I I do that every now and then. I'll do a Slayers Japan order probably once a year or something.
2: Yeah. So, what is in your pickup pile of the week? Okay. So what what five hundred dollar NES game did you buy? So. <laughs>
0: I only have a three hundred dollar NES game this week, oh! <laughs> so just re- relax with that. Um, <laughs> <Jesus> so, <Christ laughs> so first up, I got in my copy of Door Kickers Action Squad for PS4. This was okay. uh, strictly limited. Um, it's like a cop simulator, but it's like a two D pixel one where you kick in doors. So it's called Door Kickers. Okay,
2: is strictly limited. Are they the European? Yeah, they're a uh, Germany. Version? I think. Okay.
0: Which all of their titles always hold good value, and they always do titles that no one else is gonna do. Like that's what I like about them. Plus, they uh, they they get the rights to things like um, they got. Uh, dang, I can't remember the name of it. It's called like something core. It was it was like a game that was like lost. It was one. It was an old game that some studio had made years ago. But hardcore, not, hardcore, yeah.
2: Wait, is that right? I believe. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was a. Who made that? Was that a dice? I think that was a it dice game. Dice. Yeah,
0: it, it was. It was. Yeah, yeah thank you. Um, and so, like, they do a lot of, like, they got the rights to that, and they got that brought up to uh, Modern Systems. Anyway, so uh, next up on DS, I got Professor Layton and the Curious Village. So we got a Professor Layton collection trade in, and I was like, oh, I think I need these. And I'm like, oh, no, I have them all. But somehow I didn't have the first one, which is really the only one I've ever played. So it was weird okay. that I didn't have the one I played. Um, Do you have
2: the Versus uh, versus Phoenix Wright?
0: No, that one I don't have. I just have the regular. That
2: one's, is that that one's hard a, as hell to that's find That's
0: a 3DS now. one, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Um, so then my $301 NES game. I picked up Power Blade for NES, mint in the box. This is an amazing shape. Uh, I had to bid on this, too. I didn't think I was going to get it. I'm awaiting Power Blade 2 which in the box is probably going to be upwards of $1,200 to $1,500. Holy shit. shit. Um, Good Lord. But I, I mean, you can't find them. The only one who's got one up in the condition I want it for right now is that on eBay, it's users like power up video games and they never take offers, even though they say are best offer. They won't even take like 5% okay. off. And they've got one up for 2200 and that's been up there for like two months. It's way too high a price. Good Lordy. And I know they won't come down to 12 because to them that'll be like, too much even though it's just sitting up there. Um next up though, this is one I've been looking for also for quite a while, but I got a complete in box mint copy of Soul Blazer for Super Nintendo. Um this is part of the same series of um Illusion of Gaia. Is that Terranigma? And Terranigma, yep. So yep. it's um so that would be the 3 that make up this kind of pseudo trilogy, but um I've been wanting this for a while and I had a mint booklet at the store. And I saw an auction on eBay like a month ago that was just box and cart. And I'm like, well, I have a mint book at the store. This is perfect. And I, I buy it, and it comes in, and the box is a repro box. This yeah. is the fakest box I've ever seen. I'm like, oh, this thing's nasty. So I, <laughs> said, I ended up returning it and got my money back. Um, and then lastly, so I don't have a huge policy. And then lastly, this one's kind of funny. It's not even in super great a shape or anything, but I I got a complete mint well not even mint in box it's good good condition but a complete in box copy of Asteroids for 2600 so okay. Asteroids for 2600 as far as I can recall is the first video game I ever played oh okay um, so I remember I had aunts and uncles that lived in Milwaukee and I remember being down there as a kid I must have been four three or f- three or four and I remember playing this on an old TV and I'm pretty sure, like, this is my earliest memory I have of playing a video game, is playing Asteroids on the 2600. So while hmm. I think the Atari 2600 is a big pile of shit, uh, and I only have, <laughs> <laughs> I have in my collection, uh, where are they? Where did I move it to? Well, it was really important, so I moved it somewhere. I only have Jungle Hunt, which was a game I played a lot on the 2600 at my grandma's house. I have Spider-Man, because I played that game a lot at my grandma's house, and I now have Asteroids. So I have only three Atari games in my whole collection. Um, Do you have I, an Atari? No.
2: <laughs> no.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> no. No way to play that. So, eh, you know. Um, it just, I don't know. I, it came in, and it was in the box, and I don't, I'd never seen the box before, and I've seen a million loose carts, you know? But I just thought, that's kind of neat. I don't know. Might as well put it in the collection. Yeah. I don't have much Atari stuff, and
2: it's whatever, but... Was that an expensive game or no? Oh no, I think it's like
0: ten bucks maybe in the box, oh, okay. and that's probably pushing it. Atari games are so weird; they don't sell for anywhere no. near like what they go for on eBay. It's wild. Everyone
2: um, thinks that they're worth gold, though. Oh yeah, well, everybody old. thinks that like, oh, this is old. That means it yeah. must be worth hundreds the, the, of dollars. The
0: older it is, the more money it's <laughs> worth. Well,
2: not really. Sorry, sorry to burst your bubble. Not really. Uh, so, John, the only. Oh I was just uh, the only Atari game I almost bought was down at Midwest Gaming Classic they did a demake of Halo for oh, Halo uh, Halo 2600 and I wanted to buy it but the dude selling it was not at his booth and so I do not own
0: it. You uh I don't know man you seem like a beat em and eat em kind of guy to me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> is that on Yeah that is yeah, on Atari
0: yeah. Um, anyway, so we'll, we'll continue the, the console conversation next week, the console launch. I like that. I like talking console launch stories leading up to the launch of the PS five and the series X. Yes. Um, and, and that's it. That's the, that's the show Graham, for today. Everybody. We as always appreciate you listening and watching. Uh, you can follow us. Don't forget. You can, uh, follow us on Twitter. John's at dryer combo. I'm at game trade, Greg, You can subscribe to us on YouTube. That'd be great. YouTube.com slash drop rate. And you can follow us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash the drop rate. And yeah, you know, it's fun. Send us tweet, tweet at us or send us a private DM. And uh, we will, uh, you know, answer us questions. We'll answer questions. It's fun. Um, Or any way you can get questions to us. If you know us personally, send us a text. It'd be really fun to have a listener
2: question every week. I think I think it'd be a lot of fun. So, um, but anyway, I I just want to, I want to reach out real quick to one of our listeners and say, Joe, empty your mailbox.
1: Yeah, Joe.
0: (laughs) That's, that's kind of weird and kind of creepy, but I like it. It's a good message. That's a good message. That's, that's a, it's a good life lesson for all the kids out there.
2: Physical mailbox. I'm not talking about email. We're not talking voicemail
0: or email physical. So Um, thank you. Everybody as always for listening and watching. Say goodbye, John. Have a good one. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.